football. This is the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast, and I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. As always, I've got producer JP Gale by my side, and today we'll be joined by Patrick Doherty from rotoworld.com. In the past three seasons, Patrick's had two top 10 performances in our NFL rankings contest among over 100 experts. <laughs> That's really impressive. Hey, Patrick, thanks for joining us. Hey, yeah, you know, two top 10 and then one top 30-ish, uh, but yeah, no, that. Fantasy pros, you know, so I try not to be you know, too consumed by the poll, but I would be lying if I said I didn't check it. But uh, yeah, being in the top 10, that was that was pretty cool. When when I do my rankings, uh, since I've started doing my rankings, fantasy football doesn't matter to me as much because I don't care as much if my team wins, if I do well in DFS or anything like that. I just want my rankings to be right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah no, I know. Yeah, like Sundays, yeah. I feel like I have like this extra level of stress amongst the Roto World writers because like, yeah, it's not just my season long teams. It's not just my DFS teams. It's like, oh, God, you know, I had that guy, you know, ranked probably you know, like a lot higher than I think some other people did. And, you know, he's totally busting. So, I can, yeah, I agree. It adds it's like this as if we could have you could fancy football is already so stressful on Sundays it adds yet, yet another layer now every single player matters like if Dewan Harris goes off my weekend is made and yeah no exactly <laughs> exactly so you yeah you understand what it's like yeah yeah so every Monday my first task of the week is, is to reassemble my ra- rest of the season rankings uh, which get shuffled in with all the other experts who build rest of the season rankings that way fantasy pros can produce our expert consensus rankings for rest of the season right well, this week I had to cave in and admit that Jay Ajayi, he's a top 10 fantasy <laughs> running back now. No, I completely agree. I mean, just, you know, he's like, it's a very interesting case because, you know, he was someone that was really, really hyped coming out of Boise State for kind of, I think, what was it, third or fourth round pick? I mean, so not a super high pick, but he was someone that everyone was kind of immediately very high on. So he was this really, really hyped guy who then you know, just, you know, like so many of the really hyped, like day two, three prospects for him just didn't do anything as a rookie. So, and you know, had this very troubling bone on bone condition in his knee. So this looked like a guy that, you know, looked great on paper, but it was going to be like the latest dude, you know, just kind of not to pan out. And then all of a sudden, you know, it looks like everyone was right around the 2015 draft. And this can be like a foundational type running back and something Adam Gase clearly seems to be agreeing with and is, basically saying he's going to be the centerpiece of the offense going forward. So I just, yeah, I love stories like that where it's a guy that, you know, you know, it kind of got the fantasy community to maybe doubt their love for him, but you know, now it's looking like it was justified all along. So I, I could not agree more, but I think Ajayi could be like a top five guy going forward the way they're using him. Yeah, he definitely could be. He's getting so much volume, you know, j- just the way that he could beat the New York jets with those great guys in their front seven, um, it just really says volumes about how good this kid can be. And the reason he was drafted as late as he was, that's still a pretty good pick for, for being a running back, is like you said, because of the injury issues, uh, because of the uh, maybe character uh, concerns. But, you know, he, he's proven known, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a freak of nature. This is going to be a first-round pick next year. Yeah, I mean, if he keeps up, I mean, even if he doesn't keep, even if he cools off a little bit, I completely agree. You know, playing for a sophisticated run game coach and just – putting so many good runs in film. Like you said, a really tough defense yesterday. And, you know, he didn't get off to the hottest start against them, but then kind of saved his best runs for the most important moments of the game. Really helped the Dolphins kill the clock yesterday. So, yeah, basically it's Jay Ajayi's fantasy future has done like complete 180 in the past three weeks. And as someone who I think you're at this point, you can be, it's kind of hard to overhype him, I think. 
another guy that uh, that I've moved into my top ten at, at the position for rest of the season, and this might make some people fall out of their chair. I talked about him a little bit last week. It's Marcus Mariota. You look at what he's done the past five weeks, and I understand the schedule's been uh, kind of soft, but four touchdowns, three touchdowns, two touchdowns, two, four. So he's got 30, 28, 18, 19, 29 fantasy points. That's the second best player in fantasy football over the last five weeks. He's really good, and he doesn't really have anything, uh, you know, his wide receiver core that's helping him. No, I know. And the, well, it's funny you say that because now maybe they're trying to help him a little bit where they, you know, they, you know Andre Johnson retired, but I'm assuming he retires. Maybe they told him, you know, they're going to be de-emphasizing him going forward. And they finally got Rashard Matthews played almost every snap the past two weeks. And they're not going like pass first, but they're definitely clearly not afraid to put more on his plate as a passer. And like you said, it's been a little because of the schedule, but you know, that's what a good players are supposed to do. They're supposed to take advantage of good matchups and, He's really been doing that. You know, had a great game against his numbers would have been a lot better last week against the Jaguars if they hadn't gotten such a huge lead so early. And so I mean, you know, maybe he's a guy if he's facing like a top five or six defense, he won't be able to get like a top ten or twelve week. But he to me he looks basically how a sophomore quarterback should look. He's still not perfect, still making some mistakes, but really coming to his own, like taking advantage of those good matchups and just looking like he's getting better every week, basically. Yeah, he really is. And he's got that high floor because he runs the ball so much. Last year, it looked like they weren't going to run him at all, but now they're just kind of letting him loose. I think it's because their offensive line's much improved and uh, and they just trust the kid a little bit more. He's shown, obviously, a lot of poise and maturity. And, um, man, he's an impressive young player. I would love to have him in Dynasty League right now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of scary. He's he's running more, but he still could run. He could run more than he's running right now. He really could. Yeah, and if he does that, I mean... You're talking about a guy who could be like top three or four. So I agree. I'm pretty bullish on Marcus Mariota going forward. Mariota, Mariota, however you say it, going forward. So all preseason, I was hyping up Rashard Matthews. Uh, I thought he was going to be the number one wide receiver there in Tennessee. And he started off really slow. But over the past five weeks, he's got five touchdowns. Uh, he's racking up uh, the receptions. Not quite to the, the same level that he did last year before the injury. But is he the number one wide receiver for Mariota? I think he is. And you know, Matthews is one guy in the offseason. I was I, I owned him in Dynasty, and I was like, please, please, please let this guy sign with the Patriots. And then he oh, didn't. Beautiful. Yeah, I know. And then he didn't. And then kind of my worst, my worst fear was like, you know, he'd go to a team like Tennessee, kind of get lost in the shuffle, which is like exactly what happened. Like a team that like a really jumbled, you know, almost like five or six deep receiver core, but you know, it's taken half the season, but they've kind of figured out there's a reason we paid this guy. There's a reason we signed this guy. He's a can be a playmaker. He can be a red zone threat. And yeah, so like I said earlier, he's been playing almost every snap the past two weeks. I mean, there's a reason they paid him, and it's because he's good. And kind of paired with this on the rise quarterback, I think maybe not an every week wide receiver three, but I mean, I think Rashard Matthews is definitely knocking on the door like every week top forty, and is definitely going to have wide receiver like weeks where you can safely rank him like that, you know, maybe 28 to 36 range. So I agree. Another guy whose arrow is really pointing up for the second half of the season. I'd really not be happy to start him, but you know, if, if you're in a bad situation, if you've got guys on by, if you've got a bunch of injured players, there are definitely worse people. Um, and so I, I wouldn't mind adding him in a league that's deeper and you need a wide receiver. Rashard Matthews, he's going to be a consistent player. Kind of like I talked about with Brian Quick last week, getting 50 yards every single week. Matthews is a good red zone threat. 
Um, you know, he's, he's not your typical big, strong body, but for whatever reason, he gets targets uh, and he pull, pulls and passes in, in the red zone. So um, Rashard Matthews, he's not a bad ad right now. No, I couldn't agree more. So in this Saints backfield, we, we were hearing that uh, the Tim Hightower uh, maybe had the job. Sean Payton, who constantly just does not tell us the truth, was saying it was just going to be the hot hand or whatever. That's what happened. Uh, it was the hot hand, but they were both hot hands. Mark Ingram, 158 yards on the ground. Tim Hightower, over 100 yards. Now, obviously, the San Francisco 49ers defense um, would make you and I probably run for I, I was going to say, I, I just got 32 yards on the first series against the 49ers while you were doing that, that, that <laughs> lead into the question. So, you know, that, that's a, that's a really weak series. I'm, I'm disappointed. You <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, see, exactly. I'm not very good. I'm just signed off the street. So, um, well, what is going to happen here moving forward? I mean, they've got Denver, Carolina, who, you know, you can say what you want about Carolina's defense, but they're good at stopping the run. Denver got tore up by Latavius Murray, but I'm sure they're going to bounce back from that. So who's going to get the carries going forward? I mean, Denver's been, yeah, been a bit soft against the run. Latavius Murray is kind of just a continuation of kind of their recent vulnerability on the ground. But if the Saints, it's weird. It was a very odd situation because like, I couldn't, Sean Payton, I could not agree more, is maybe the least truthful coach in the NFL. Just can basically never trust anything he says, but you know, he last week he really telegraphed, you know, gonna have major faith in Tim Hightower, and that that was actually true. I mean, Tim Hightower still led in touches. I mean, I think he had something ridiculous like twenty four carries again. He kind of by a small margin, but got Mark Ingram on the snaps. So Tim Hightower did you know not exactly go away, but I think everyone with eyes and a brain who's watched Saints knows that Mark Ingram's the more explosive player, and like hard to you know, just. We'll talk about an answer game, what he did yesterday. And I, but I would like to say that maybe Mark Ingram kind of very quickly dispelled that this is a committee, but I just, Sean Payton seems in love with Tim Hightower. He gave him the ball like 25, 30 times almost every game last December when Mark Ingram was hurt. And I and think he wasn't for, very good. No, I know, exactly. And he, he wasn't very good, but he he just loves to give him 30 touches a game. He, he got 26 carries last weekend. That's a number Mark Ingram has only seen twice in his entire career. So Sean Payton is just in love with Tim Hightower. And I think despite how good Mark Ingram looked yesterday, I think yesterday ensured that Mark Ingram's not going to fade away and is definitely going to remain a factor. But I could kind of just see it remaining a frustrating kind of one-two punch for at least the next two or three weeks. If your trade deadline has not passed, I would be selling Mark Ingram after that big game because I just don't think his stock is going to be super high the rest of the season. If you look at their schedule, uh, it's it's not very friendly to the running backs. So, um, you know, this is the time to sell on Mark Ingram and definitely on Tim Hightower. I, I wouldn't really start Tim Hightower any other time the rest of the season. I mean, I understand Sean Payton probably has him on his fantasy team, so he'll keep getting touches, but uh, I'm just I'm just not really buying into that narrative that he's going to take over the job from Mark Ingram, who is very talented. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you I, I definitely Mark Ingram. I agree that it's, I hadn't really thought about it. I, th- I agree it's a good time to probably sell Mark Ingram because he'll never be more valuable. And I just think it's going to be, you know, it's a pass first team anyway. And I just think it's going to be just, kind of just a frustrating weekly yo-yo, like who's going to lead in touches or who's going to get the goal line looks. So yeah, I, I agree with you. While we're with the Saints, I want to talk about Michael Thomas. Has he passed up Brandon Cooks for the rest of the season? Yeah, gosh, this is, I briefly thought about this question before the show and 
I mean, for, uh, when you read the question, it seems absurd. But when you look at the stats and when you watch the games, it does not seem absurd. And you know, this is a guy, Michael Thomas, is a very interesting prospect coming out of Ohio State because he had he looked great on paper, great on film, but his stats, you know, were, were good, but like weren't like second round good. So I was like, you know, what kind of career is this guy going to have? You know, is this this is you know, athleticism is measurable is going to translate to the field and you know, questions been answers been absolutely yes. And I, I love Brandon cooks, but I think I've got to give the edge to Michael Thomas for the rest of the year. He says he's had a recent kind of target. His target floor has been higher the past three or four games. And I think he's going to be more consistently targeted in the red zone. And maybe cooks, I think if I had to bet from today forward, I might still bet cooks finishes an overall yardage edge, but I think maybe kind of in a more boom or bust fashion where every week Michael Thomas is kind of looking like a six, six catch, 70 yard touchdown guy. So you know, maybe I'll instantly regret this answer, but I think I might give the edge to Mike Thomas. Yeah. I, I set my rankings this morning and Michael Thomas is number 18 for me. Oh my gosh. I haven't done my ranks yet. So I, I'm trying to Monday's like trying not to worry about the ranks. I can already tell like, that's going to be one of those things that really vexes me. Like, where do I put Michael Thomas? Where do I put Brandon Cooks? And, you know, even Willie Sneed, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I've, I've got Brandon Cooks at 21, so I, it feels crazy. Yeah, there's but, a um, yeah, sneak preview of stress for me. So Mostly I wanted to ask you just to check my own sanity. Like, am I okay? Like, is there something wrong with me or <laughs> am I with everybody else here? No, no, it's, it's, again, it's one of those things where until you really, like, if you just think about it for a second, it seems crazy. But then if you dig into it at all, it's just yeah. it's not, it's not crazy and it's a question you definitely need to be asking yourself. Let's move over and talk about uh, some waiver wire guys. And uh, it is a bad week for the waiver wire. I'm not going to be spending much money. I mean, I guess if you need someone, then you've got to go out and get one of these guys. But I think most experts agree James Starks right now is is probably the best pickup. Now, obviously, if you're in one of these six-team leagues, then you can pick up Michael Thomas, maybe. Maybe no one <laughs> in your league's heard of him or something. But, you know, most people listening to this show play in 10, 12, 14-team leagues. And, and James Stark's available, most of them. He's probably the best player available, most of them, because he's coming back soon. And um, obviously, they're not going to keep giving the ball to Ty Montgomery 10 times a game back there, right? It's going to be James Starks. I, yeah, it's a weird situation just because he's 30. He you know, has never been that good. Uh, he's coming off knee surgery. Uh, Earlier, you know, he has 24 carries for 42 yards this season, which, you know, incredibly small sample size, and that's while Eddie Lacy was active. But to me, James Starks, I feel like he could almost just be – I mean, clearly you got to add him because they really, I mean, they desperately need like an actual running back, but I feel like he can kind of just end up in a trap where he might be, have like top 20, top 15 aspirations, but I, I don't think Ty Montgomery's, you know, they're not just going to phase out Ty Montgomery. So I think James Starks might almost be just kind of frustratingly like normal James Starks, like kind of that RB3 range, maybe in the 30 to 40 range. And some guy, you know, you should be on your team, but you maybe, you know, not, not someone I think you're going to be looking for ways to get in your lineup. Put it that way. I'm putting him right there in my rankings with, uh, with like Ryan Matthews and Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. Um, that sounds know, right to me. If yeah. those guys were available on the free agents, I'd, I'd go pick them up. Right. And I would not be happy about starting him any week, but you know, he's the best option right now. Uh, there, there's actually someone I like more we'll talk about him in a minute, but most of the experts think James Starks is probably the best option. And, um, you know, he's one of these guys, if, if you watch a lot of Green Bay football games, you'll know this is true. Whenever it gets cold, James Starks is a completely different player. I don't know if it's, uh, 
you know, that he runs harder or that defenses, you know, aren't as good in the cold. But James Starks takes it to another level in the cold. He's He's been very good uh, historically when he's had to play later in the season. And uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to bank on that happening. Like you said, he's 30 years old, but it's something to at least consider. Yeah, it's very – I actually did not know that. That's pretty interesting. Maybe it's because – that might be because, you know, he's he a lot of times earlier in the year he's the backup and later in the year is kinda of when things go off the rails for Eddie Lacey, so maybe he's just always fresher, but I did not know that. That's kind of an interesting little fact there. So my guy is Kenneth Dixon. I've been talking about him all season, all preseason. He's the man. Just just watch this guy play. He's got the size, he's got the power. Uh, he just kind of reminds me of a, a a big Michael Turner. With that one cut, um, you know, great instincts, power and size type of guy. Um, I, I think that he can be a running back one in this league. Now, obviously, Terrence West is still in the picture. Um, and obviously, Kenneth Dixon was not very good. And he was taken out of the game with a chest contusion. Um, so there's question marks there. But if you're looking for a high upside running back who's still available in your league and can help you win the playoffs, I think Kenneth Dixon's the guy. Yeah, I, I, Kenneth Dixon should be 100% owned, and it's kind of a weird thing. To me, Kenneth Dixon's almost like a guy, I don't mean necessarily as a player, but as like a fantasy football like archetype, he's kind of like this year's Jay Ajayi, where he's a guy who like checks all the boxes, was really productive in college, can play all three downs, but really impressive measurables, and so just a guy that you really love on paper. And But, you know, it's it's yeah, it's tough because they, Terrence West he was playing really well until two games ago. He kind of ran into the Jets buzzsaw. And then, you know, yesterday he was extremely ineffective. But we've seen Terrence West have a lot of good games this year. But the Ravens, you know, they don't seem too impressed by Terrence West. And they worked really hard to get Kenneth Dixon more involved yesterday. And with both of them being kind of ineffective, I think Dixon probably earned another extended look. And like you said, and kind of like I tried to add to it, I just think there's just a lot of upside there. So he's like one of those guys who can be on your bench and it might not pan out, but – yeah, there's so much upside that I, I can 100% agree that Kenneth Dixon should be 100% own. He had 11 touches before he was taken out of the game. And get this, this week he goes up against the Cleveland Browns. His stock is about to soar. If you don't pick him up now, you're going to end up having to spend 50 or 60 fab on him next week. Um, or you can pick him up now. And if you have a bunch of running backs, wait till he goes off this week and then sell him high. That's, that's what I'll be doing. Uh, unless it's in a dynasty league, then I am definitely holding on to him. Yeah, I'd say you got it figured out. Yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of. I was kind of forgetting there about the, for forward-thinking owners there. Yeah, he's got the Browns this week, so just kind of like look out because yeah, like you said, this is yeah, he could be yeah through the stratosphere next week. So so Travis Benjamin left the game with an injury. We're not exactly sure when he's going to be back, but it looks like Dontrell Emmons probably going to get some work here. We know Philip Rivers is just going to keep slinging the ball all over the yard. It doesn't matter who his wide receivers are. He puts up numbers. So are you adding Inman? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the Chargers never stop throwing. Uh, they almost always have two fantasy viable receivers. It just kind of depends on who's hurt at that moment. And usually in a given moment, it's a lot of different guys. So I think this week, seemed, I can't remember if Travis Benjamin has been, I don't know if he's been formally ruled out or anything like that yet, but looking very unlikely to play and pretty good shot that Inman's going to be the number two. And yeah, like I said, if you're Philip Rivers' number two receiver, you're you're going to be fantasy viable, and you know maybe you definitely is like a wide receiver three type. But I think you can definitely pencil in you know, probably at least six to eight targets, maybe ten. And yeah, just anytime you're Philip Rivers' number two receiver, you're going to have fantasy value. He's someone who should be owned. 
So Dewan Harris had a nice game, uh, thanks, thanks in part to a real big reception. He's the running back for San Francisco, for those of you guys not paying as close of attention. He only had 10 carries, and, um, you know, Carlos Hyde's probably coming back. But based on what he's been able to do, is there any sense in adding him? Yeah, I think so, because you, you don't know for sure with Carlos Hyde. And you know, Dewan Harris kind of gives a different look than Carlos Hyde. He's kind of a more explosive, more little guy, kind of, you know, a, really like a prototypical change-up to Carlos Hyde's power. And Chuck Kelly, you know, last year his backfield kind of devolved into a full-blown committee. So I don't think we should just assume that once Carlos Hyde comes back, he's going to you know, be the like the three-down monster that he kind of was. Not monster, three-down player that he was earlier in the year. So you said with his health uncertain, the, the whole offense kind of in turmoil, kind of in transition. Uh, like it was just, you know, it's the time of year, too, where the waiver wire is really thin. So you got to take chances on guys like Dewan Harris. But I think he has as reasonable upside as anyone on the wire. And you know, not, not, maybe not upside is the right word, but he's, he's gonna, I think he's going to get used, basically. And you know, Carlos Hyde misses another game. He's definitely going to be startable. So, yeah, long story short, uh, yeah, Dewan Harris worth the roster spot, in my opinion. So, Patrick, I know this is a little bit ridiculous of me, but in the leagues where I'm, I'm definitely going to make the playoffs in some of these leagues, um, and I've been scooping up guys like Sammy Watkins, which I don't think that one's crazy, right? Adrian Peterson, Amir Abdullah, um, you know, guys like that, Kevin White, who who could come back and just be dynamite here in the fantasy playoffs for me. I'd rather have them than, you know, some, some no-name who's not going to do anything for my fantasy team. When I get to the playoffs, I want a chance to win. Um, but it's looking like Amir Abdullah is not going to come back. Uh, they've got some linebacker that they're gearing up to come back, and so that means they can't bring Amir Abdullah off the IR. What do you think about these other guys, Sammy Watkins, Adrian Peterson, Kevin White? Is there any chance we see them? And if so, do you think they'll be any good? I think the chances we see Adrian are really slim. From, from what I remember, I think kind of like the best case scenario he returns is like week 15 or 16. And even then, it's I, it's not like he's going to just immediately reassume like a 25-carry role. So I think Adrian Peterson, unfortunately, kind of dead weight. But of all the guys you he mentioned there, I mean— proved us wrong before. That's, no, of that's course. What that's makes me, that, that's yeah. what draws me in a little bit. Yeah, that's always a good disclaimer with Adrian Peterson. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I think of everyone you mentioned— Sammy Watkins, definitely the guy where, you know, now is the time. He could be back, I think, as early as week 12, and we're already here in week 10. And so he's not someone you're just looking at uh, as maybe a kind of like playoff gravy. He's kind of someone who can help you the final two weeks, the fantasy regular season, and someone the Bills just desperately need, you know, just a, la- a laughably thin receiver core. So I think Watkins, you know, Obviously, an extremely high upside player when he's playing, and just kind of he's what you're looking for in a bench dash. Where it's not at the you know, by the time he comes back, it's not going to be too late, and it's just someone his team really needs, and he's got well established upside. And I think yeah, now is definitely the time to put him on your bench over you know, some random wide receiver six or RB four. So yeah, I think it's a great time to stash Sammy Watkins. I can't even imagine how much he's going to be targeted in that offense. I mean, they've been throwing the ball to Robert Woods and Marquise Goodwin, who aren't even really on the fantasy radar. If they are on your fantasy radar, things are not going well for you. But Sammy Watkins, he is really, really good. Um, so, you know, he'll probably get hurt again when he comes back. Yeah, I mean, uh, always the question there, but yeah. yeah. So. Um, he can't come back until week 12. He's going to start practicing here soon. He might practice this week. Um so he should be good to go come week 12, week 13, and he should be, I, I imagine he'll be 100% by the fantasy playoffs in week 14. So I'm really excited about Sammy Watkins. 
I'm disappointed about the Amir Abdullah news, but that means Dwayne Washington, who got 10 carries. What do you think about Dwayne Washington uh, in this Lions backfield? Yeah, Dwayne Washington's definitely, you know, he's an int- intriguing guy when you when you read about him and when you watch him kind of running with power there between the tackles. But, just, yeah, it's a philosophically pass-first offense and theoretic, you know, is basically the last way you describe him is between the tackles runner, but I, I don't see anyone kind of taking resting away like the touch belt from him. I think theoretics going to lead in touches probably every week in that backfield. And, you know, it was a Dwayne Washington week, quote unquote this week, but with Zach center just the week before. And I, I just think, I just, I just don't think there's enough plausible upside there and even enough of a plausible floor where I get, who are we? For all we know, next week Zach Center will be immediately reinvolved, or maybe it'll be Justin Forsett's turn. So there's some things to like about Dwayne Washington for the things got so crazy in that backfield, but I just don't really see the path right now to you know, standard league relevancy. He's got a real nice athletic profile, so I really can't help myself with him, but. You know, you're right about this offense. No matter what, Theoretic's still going to get 7 to 10 carries every single game because that's what he can do and that's how they use him. Um, So that really limits Washington. And then you've got the red zone issues. Who knows if he's going to be getting the ball on the goal line. So uh, as much as I like his his potential, uh, his ceiling is limited this season at the very least. Yeah, I mean, his ceiling's limited and even even the floor is just too hard to forecast for me. So as a guy that... You know, in a perfect world, would have a more concrete role, but he, he just doesn't. So one guy that's, she's just kind of annoying me right now, mostly because he, somebody picked him up and started him, and it was just nuts. Like, why would you have started this guy? And then he completely went off against me in fantasy, and it's J.J. Nelson. <laughs> what, what is the deal with him? Is, is he really going to be this involved in the offense, or was it just kind of a one-week thing? Yeah, I don't know if he's going to have any more, I think. 882 games kind of like he did before their bye but you know they're saying he's a starting receiver and arguably even the number two receiver and you know Bruce Arians is a amazing maybe the best eye in football for receiver talent and it's the guy who even last year as a fifth round rookie made some really big plays scored some he averaged I mean I think he averaged like something like 25 yards per catch or something last year obviously very limited work but it's just a huge play threat who now might be seeing some volume, and when you put those two together, uh, he's basically you know like what bye week dart throws are made of, like just everything you want. I me mean, obviously he could bust, but just very plausible upside there, and just a huge play threat who like, could be locked into a higher volume role. So very frustrating if he goes off against you, but if he's on the wire, he's to me definitely someone who. You know, if, if he's going to be the last guy on your bench, he provides a lot of upside for someone who's going to be the last guy on your bench. So I'm all about actually owning J.J. Nelson. Now, would you prefer Nelson or a guy like Marquise Lee? I prefer Nelson just because Marquise Lee has like, he's established, you know, kind of a nice little floor, like catching five passes every week, but this hasn't displayed, displayed almost no upside. And when you have a quarterback who every week kind of threatens to torpedo the entire offense, it just, That's I just don't. Point. Yeah, I just don't see. I like. I just. I like JJ Nelson, Nelson's path to upside much, much more than I like Marquise Lee's. So yeah, I think probably that's how I break that tie. Patrick, I'm really sad to hear you say that because everyone who listens to this show knows I love Marquise Lee. Um, he doesn't have any touchdowns this year, so his season doesn't look as good. But he's been very consistent. Five receptions, 75 yards. Five for 44. Six for 61. Seven for 107. Four for 84. 
the touchdowns are going to come if he keeps getting these kind of targets. Jacksonville's going to keep playing from behind. Uh, I, I like his upside, even right up there with a guy like J.J. Nelson. I definitely like his floor more. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm biased just because I'm I'm so invested in Marquise Lee being good that I, I have to be behind him. But I, I really just think this guy's good. Uh, there's, there's a reason I keep talking about him. And I can't understand why he's owned in, what, 4% of leagues? You guys need it to add weird. Yeah, it is odd. Yeah, he's he just had such a nondescript first two years of his career that I think there's probably like an inherent bias against him. But yeah, to me, JJ Nelson to me is like I'm I'm always going to gamble on upside. But you know, if you're in a PPR league, especially, and you just need someone to hold down the fort for a week or two, Marquise Lee is definitely more sensible than a guy like JJ Nelson. But I think JJ Nelson's volume could almost come up to Marquise Lee levels. You know, six or seven weekly targets and. So to me, I just I'm, I'm I want to gamble on JJ Nelson's upside, but I agree that yeah yeah if you just need someone to, to like occupy a spot and you don't want to risk a zero, Marquise Lee is definitely viable. Now in this Denver backfield, uh, Gary Kubiak just came out a few minutes before we recorded this, and he said that Capri Bibbs has earned some more carries. So um, I, I I'm not really sure what to think here. Devontae Booker, everyone was saying top ten running back rest of the season, not anymore. I don't know if he's top twenty anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, maybe it'll only be for one week, but very quickly, like shaping up to be just another fantasy nightmare where two guys, very unpredictable touch touch distribution. And, you know, it just, it's, he has really no one to blame but himself, Devontae Booker. I think he has something like 29 carries for 76 yards in his two starts. So he hasn't been getting it done. And when the backup you know, scores a 69 yard touchdown, uh, that's going to put a little pressure on you. So it's not like, Devontae Booker's this guy with like this super long, impressive resume to fall back on. He's really not that much more proven than Capri, Capri Bibbs. So, yeah, this week, yeah, I'm hoping for a few more coach quotes, maybe a few more reports on that, like before I have to finalize my rankings. But definitely not going to have Booker anywhere near the top 10 and probably, probably like the 18 to 20 range, which might be an overreaction. But I, I think it's going to be a fast shaping up as a tough to predict committee, basically. I've got to give a disclaimer to everyone listening. I'm not fond of Devontae Booker, and I'm rooting against him because the guy that traded me, C.J. Anderson, the week before he got hurt, beat me by $1 for Devontae Booker. So I'm rooting against him so hard. Yeah, oh my gosh. uh, (laughs) This Gary Kubiak news coming out and saying that that Bibbs has earned some carries, that's a big deal. I mean, I don't know how many carries that's going to be, and obviously he could be um, you know, just spinning some kind of narrative for the opposition, but it's not good news. He has not looked good. And, uh, you know, obviously he's still got to be on every single team that you don't dare drop him. Uh, however, I'm not sure he's going to be saving your fantasy season. Like a lot of, like a lot of people were, were talking about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Can't drop him, but definitely need to temper your expectations is my guess after last night and today. So yeah, you know, another savior come and gone basically. So Jeremy Macklin's hurt again. We, we're not sure quite yet. We'll probably uh, find out right about the time this is aired. So, you know, if we miss it, sorry. It's just the timing of things. Um, but Jeremy Macklin was injured, and it looks like Tyreek Hill's going to get more opportunities. But also Albert Wilson, who if you look at him at the end of last season when everybody was hurt, he was not bad. I like this guy. Uh, no, I'm not going to add him unless I'm in a deeper league. But um, I think that he's the type of guy, when he gets more volume, he could prove to be uh, a reliable fantasy player. Yeah, you know, Albert Wilson, definitely a competent player. But if I'm deciding between like Albert Wilson and Tyreek Hill, uh, 
I think Tyreek's done more this year probably already. And yeah, Tyreek's just a guy who he to me he's a great he's like a great fill in he's like a great bye week fill in type because I mean he could have a huge fantasy day with only like one or two catches. I mean because one of his catches could be like a forty three yard touchdown. So whereas Albert Wilson. I think we'll have a hard time returning value, you know, unless he, you know, he's going to need like at least five or six catches, I think, to really be someone you want to be starting. Whereas you know, Tyreek Hill, this, he, he doesn't need much work to have a potentially huge day. So, I mean, he could definitely bust, but there's a very like tangible boom to Tyreek Hill's game. So Jeremy Macklin sits out, which I think it's looking like he probably will. Uh, I think Tyreek Hill is definitely the guy I want to be, I want to be rolling the dice on in the Chiefs receiver core. Yeah, I look at Tyreek Hill and it's like, you get this guy one touch and he, he might be uh, startable in fantasy. Yeah, he is yeah, exactly. really so, talented. Yeah. yeah, and that's like, that's what bye week, that's what like fill-in dreams are made of. Like, or a guy, you know, maybe you shouldn't be starting, but you are starting him and he doesn't need a huge target share to have a big night. So, yeah. And Albert Wilson at the very best is like an, a, a light, an Alan Hearns light. Um, and keep in mind, he's got Nick Foles as his quarterback instead of Blake Bortles, who's going to throw the ball all over the place. So, well, they, uh, do, they should have Alex Smith coming back. So yeah. that's good news. But um, kind yeah. of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you could argue, debate how good a news it actually is. But uh, yeah, uh, Nick Foles is actually probably better for Tyreek Hill because he throws the deep ball a lot better than Alex Smith does, and um, Albert Wilson's not going to be beating people deep. So you know, if Alex Smith is back. Maybe Albert Wilson gets four catches for 50 yards and gets a touchdown here and there. Um, so that's like Brian Quick territory. You're, you're not scrambling to pick up Brian Quick, but if you have to play him, uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna pout about it. It's not a terrible situation. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, it's not like you, you shouldn't be looking for reasons to start these guys, but both have viable cases to make if Jeremy Macklin's out. All right, Giants backfield here. Paul Perkins, it looks like he might be the guy. And being the guy in the Giants' backfield is not really saying much. It's kind of like the Jaguars' backfield where, you know, you don't really want to start anyone in their backfield. But Paul Perkins got the touches. He wasn't very good, but neither was Rashad Jennings. So what is going to happen here, Patrick? Yeah, I mean, the the, the honest answer is I, I don't know. I mean, the Giants' backfield has been a disaster now for two years. But if I had to choose someone... Yeah, and these these just crazy unpredictable situations. This might be an irresponsible strategy, but I kind of prefer betting on the unknown, where we basically know what Shad Jennings is going to do, and it's not going to be a big fantasy day. Whereas Paul Perkins, you can at least talk yourself into make a case that you know this guy could maybe have a big day. So that's a good way to put it. I like that. I think that's unfortunately where we're at with this backfield, and so yeah, it's definitely. Not a recommended backfield to attack, but if you're if you're in a desperate situation, which lots of people are, uh, I, don't, I don't think Paul Perkins is a bad guy to to maybe bet on again this week, even though it didn't really uh, show a whole lot on Sunday. Now there's another player in kind of a similar circumstance. It's Ronnie Hillman, who I don't know if everyone knows this, but he was signed by the Vikings, and he actually got a fair amount of touches this week. Now we know Jarek McKinnon's not doing anything, and we know Matt Asiata's not doing anything. Do you are you gonna are you gonna gamble on the unknown with Ronnie Hillman? I mean, we kind of know who he is, and we definitely know that the Vikings' offensive line is just abysmal. So I'm avoiding him. But what do you think about him? I mean, it's that time of year where every fantasy team has a million injuries, and there's probably about people out there that need anything they can get at running back. And one of those things this week is going to be Ronnie Hillman. And yeah, it's not like he had a, a big day yesterday, but the Vikings clearly. 
or have seen probably all day really want to see a Matt Asiata and Jarek McKinnon. And Hillman didn't light it up yesterday, but he didn't embarrass himself. So and a new offensive coordinator, kind of a whole new mindset there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get eight to 10 touches again this week. And again, it's not someone you're going to be happy about owning, but if you desperate need of a running back, he's someone who there's a faint chance of it paying off. So I couldn't, condemn anyone for taking a Ronnie Hillman flyer. That's, that's where we're at at this point. By the way, I'm so sorry to everybody listening who keeps following my advice on Jerick McKinnon. I get so excited about the chance that he'll be really good every single week. And I probably will again this week, even though I keep failing. Uh, so fair warning, just don't listen to my advice later in the week if I say Jarek McKinnon's in for a good week. It's not going to happen behind this offensive line, right? No, probably not. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> just a bad situation there. Yeah, and He's a guy, he looks great on paper, but just might not ever happen for him. I want to talk about streaming uh, streaming quarterback, streaming tight end, streaming defense, and then we'll, we'll let you go out of here. We'll start at the quarterback position. I like Jay Cutler this week at Tampa Bay. I mean, we saw how many points the, they can give up. It was a really good example this past week. And Jay Cutler, he throws the ball all over the yard. And I know Jordan Howard might have a real good game against this uh, just terrible defense, but uh, Jay Cutler's not a bad fantasy quarterback. If, you're, if you're, your quarterback's on a bye, if you've got an injury, which yeah, I'm not really sure that there's any new injuries at quarterback, but um, if you need to pick someone up, I, I like Jay Cutler this week. Yeah, I agree. It's a really, really shaky week for streaming quarterbacks, and really the only guy who stuck out to me was Jay Cutler. Just a yeah, bad all-around defense, but just atrocious against the pass, and you know, you got him and Alshon Jeffrey hopefully kind of getting back on the same page and a decent, not really that many weapons behind Alshon Jeffrey, but there's enough guys who can make plays where I think he's got a pretty decent floor this week and maybe even three three or four touchdown ceiling. The, the Bucks defense is just that bad and the landscape elsewhere is just not not hospitable to streaming quarterbacks this week. So I think Jay Cutler's kind of the, the best bet you got this week if, you, if you've got to stream your quarterback. You've also got Carson Wentz against Atlanta. And Wentz has not been very good lately, um, so I'd avoid him. I'd maybe look at Alex Smith at Carolina if you can't get Jay Cutler. It, it's ugly, though. So uh, Jay Cutler, if if you absolutely have I mean, we're, we're talking you know, like Jay Cutler, maybe even Joe Flacco, which I definitely would not recommend. But against the Browns defense in a short week, you can at least maybe make a case in your head. You know, you sick people that we all are. Uh, you know, Joe Flacco against the Browns doesn't look too bad, even though – Streaming Joe Flacco does not recommend it this year. What about at tight end? I'm, I'm having a hard time finding someone I'd like. Um, that's why I always try to get the uh, the better tight ends in my draft because I don't want to deal with the waiver wire ever for tight end. It is just so ugly every year. Yeah, I mean, but, well, I haven't really studied the tight end matchups much this week, but CJ Fedorowicz maybe going to fly under the radar because they're on their bye, and he's just become a big part of the offense. And Brock Osweiler with Charlie Whitehurst out of the league, Brock Osweiler might be the new checkdown king. So just I think you know, CJ Fedorowicz probably very low owned still across the fantasy landscape. And if you're in a bind to tight end, my guess is he's going to be readily available and someone kind of a sneaky high floor and maybe even a nice little touchdown ceiling. So he's he's the first and maybe only guy who uh, comes to mind to tight end for me. I'm still fond of Austin Hooper. Uh, he had a decent week. Three receptions, 46 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he's had another game with 84 yards. 
He didn't start in that game. He had another game with 42 and a touchdown. Um, so he's got some stuff going on. Now he goes against Philadelphia, who's been really good against tight ends. But um, Austin Hooper's been really effective when he gets on the field. He's probably going to be back on the field starting again this week. Um, so, uh, you know, he's 11% owned. I wouldn't mind adding him. Yeah, you can throw Lance Kendricks in there too if you want to get uh, really crazy. Uh, Yikes, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, he's, he's established a floor. So, which is more than more than you can say of a lot of these guys in the waiver wire. I mean, again, that's not that's something you're gonna look forward to doing. But if you're in a bind, you could probably do worse than Lance Kendricks. I, I'm definitely not judging you for that because you're right. No, yeah. it's just, man, this position is ugly that we're even I talking know. about it's, Lance Kendricks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, seriously, yeah, I can't believe Lance Kendricks. I think six years into his career, it's kind of amazing we're still having Lance Kendricks discussions. But so is life on the fantasy football grind. <laughs> All right, and then finally, defense. We've actually got some good options this week for uh, defenses that aren't, aren't owned in over 50% of leagues. So tell me which of these you like the best. Maybe you have another one. San Diego faced Miami and Ryan Tannehill. The New York Jets against Case Keenum and the Rams. Miami against uh, San Diego and and uh, their lack of receiving core. And then my personal favorite, Chicago coming off the bye at Jameis Winston and Tampa Bay. Like you said, it's a very, very strong week for streaming defenses. Uh, you could maybe even throw the Ravens in there against the Browns, or I don't think they're 50% owned. I looked this morning. Uh, even the Redskins against the Vikings, you know, the, the Redskins seem like a, a really, really bad matchup for a pass offense in the Vikings that's just completely falling apart. And they could, you know, Minnesota with no running threat is probably going to have to try to pass the ball. And it's just a very, very bad matchup on paper. And that game's in Washington. So I think maybe the Redskins can kind of be a, maybe an under-owned streamer this week in a week full of really good, good streaming calls. options. Yeah, so yeah, to me, the Redskins might almost be my favorite. But like you said, it's kind of a week where you can you know, make your choice amongst uh, waiver wire defenses with really, really good matchups. I wouldn't be surprised at all four or five of the top 10 defenses this week come off the waiver wire. It is just a great, it's the best week all season for waiver wire defenses. Yeah, that was my, when I was looking at it uh, this morning, that was definitely my first thought where like, wow, I have not seen a week where there are this many viable options. So yeah, if you've been having trouble streaming defenses, which sometimes streaming defenses ends up better in theory than practice. If you're trying to do it all year, you get stuck with some really bad options. But yeah, this is a really, really good week. All right, Patrick. Well, that's all the questions we have for you this week. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, it was fun chatting with you, and um, hopefully some of these waiver wire options work out for us. Yes, please help us waiver wire uh, people. <laughs> we're we're pretty desperate. Uh, so, no, yeah, but my pleasure to stop by, and uh, yeah, anytime. Uh, good luck this week. Thanks. Take care. All right, and for those of you listening, we've got two more shows coming up this week, highlighted by Matt Harmon of NFL.com coming up on Wednesday to talk about his rankings for the week. So make sure to tune in for those. I just wanted you to watch me just all. 